Welcome to Woman by Design podcast with me, your host, Dr. Renee Allison, lifestyle editor, Woman by Design, a rich podcast by Rich Woman Magazine. Every episode aims to showcase, empower, and celebrate women around the world that dares to reimagine themselves, to value their voice, to walk in their worth, to be seen, to be heard, to be their authentic selves. We celebrate women that are living compassionate and creative lives currently contributing across the globe, across industry lines. Join us. Every episode will encourage, will enrich, and will empower you. You are a woman by design. Woman by Design. This is a rich podcast by Rich Woman Magazine with me, your host, Dr. Renee, lifestyle editor and founder of Woman by Design. Please, we have an incredible guest uh, today, Mumsy Albertine Scari, and her life is incredible. She's a certified life and health coach. She's a wife, a mother, in love with a wonderful husband, a bio of she's a mom of three, a stepmom of four, and a mother figures of thousands. She's a world traveler. She speaks French, English, four African dialects, and some Spanish. And she is a, a, a citizen. She is a U.S. citizen. Mumsy's mission is to serve children and communities living in extreme poverty so that they can be provided with basic human needs. She's a philanthropist, founder of Mumsy's Children Relief Foundation. And where she's serving, there's a lack of water, basic education, medical care, food, and they empower those with, with sustainability projects and regular support. Let me say that again. She empowers those that have these lacks with sustainability projects and regular support which is so important. Please welcome our guest today to Woman by Design Magazine on Rich, Woman by Design on Rich Woman Magazine. Please tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, Mumsy, the mic is yours. Hello, my name is Albertine, and I go by Mumsy. I'm sorry if my car makes noise. I just uh, <laughs> found myself in one place where I didn't mean to be today because of a, a, a flat tire. But here we are, and uh, my name is Albertine, and I go by Mumsy. I'm so glad you have me here on your stage. Thank you so much, Dr. Rene, and um, thank you, thank you. I am everything you said, and I'm a mother of orphans. I work here in Illinois. Uh, there is a small city called Pembroke, Pembroke Hopkins Park. I work a lot around those cities where uh, we have many children living in poverty. And I also work most, uh, mostly in Cameroon. It's in Central Africa and in Kenya in uh, East Africa. I work with children in extreme poverty. What we do is our priority number one is education. Uh, try to bring education to to the the kids in poverty. To me, it's the best way we can get them to get out of extreme poverty. Being 
that they have nothing. They have no basic human needs. They don't have uh, medical care. They don't have, most of them don't eat even every day. They don't have uh, uh, schools. Some schools closed, have been closed for years. And some, some villages don't even have a school. They don't have water. Sometimes they have to walk three hours to get a bucket of water and even a bucket of uh, dirty water. I hope my connection is good. They don't have electricity. So we have to find a way. You wouldn't believe as soon as you don't have electricity, how difficult life becomes. So they have nothing to even start with. And these are the communities that I work with. I work with the children. I reopen the schools or I build ones. And I try to bring the school supplies and everything. And at the same time, I work with the communities so that various projects with women, especially, and with men, so that they can self-sustain because we have to think of a way that in a few years they can be able to to send their own children to school to, for ten dollars. It, it costs ten dollars for a child to go to school for a whole year. Yet, uh, majority of children are not coming to school either because they they cannot mostly because they cannot afford it those ten dollars, and also because some of them they have to go like to get some water every morning, and water is three hours away so if a child has to go get water three hours away there is no time anymore to come to school because they need water every there are reasons like that or maybe disease skin disease when you don't have water you don't take showers often and many of them have bad conditions skins so especially the kids like in the slums the orphanages in the city they're getting rejected from the schools because of the way they look and they can't help because they don't have water, poverty. So these are the things that I do. You know, you can ask any question. I, I work in so many things. Thank you, though, for having me. Thank you so much for being here with Rich Woman Magazine and uh, Woman by Design. You are phenomenal. What made you, or how did you get involved in this incredible endeavor? It started when I was, I was very young. I was studying to take my first communion. I was raised Catholic. And I remember the, the priest telling us the stories of Jesus. And I remember that what was very impressive to me was how he went to the little children and how he went to people that were broken in the society, people that were very poor, very sick, and he would bring relief to them. And that was just one thing that just was so important to me at that time, so fascinating. I remember telling my parents, when I grow up, I want to be someone who helps people and who helps children. And my father said, it's either you're going to become a nun or you're going to become a doctor. Since I didn't like, I really didn't like the idea of being a doctor, I just chose to be a nun. So very soon I find myself in a convent 
to become a nun. I was in that convent for about 10 years and I did not because I did not take my vows because I, I found out that nuns cannot have children. <laughs> I love children so much and I really was dreaming of having my own children. So I think that was the reason number one plus a few things that just didn't make sense to me. So I got out and I finished my university, came to United States, got married. And then a few years after my marriage, after I had my two children, I needed to go see my grandmother back in Cameroon. I went with my children and had a great vacation. And when we were coming back, many people that had not seen me for almost a decade since I left to come here to university in the United States. They brought so many gifts and amazing gifts. And I didn't want to leave my gifts behind. So I told my mom, you know what? I'm just going to go give away all our clothes and shoes. We, we don't really need that in America that much. Place the clothes and shoes in my luggages with the gift that I got from my family. And this is when my mom, I said, oh, do you know any orphanage where I can give all our stuff? My mom says, yeah. So she sent me to this orphanage. <laughs> and I, I take my two kids and uh, I take them to the orphanage to give out, because we were going to travel like the next day to give out all our And that was the shock for me because I didn't really grow up poor. Had, I never witnessed so much poverty and so much. I just could not believe what I saw. And maybe again, because I was a new mom, it even was more striking. I saw kids, the age of my kids, just in, in, in unbelievable poverty. And I just had these little suitcases. I just, it just felt to me like, who am I going to give and who's not going to get? It was a bunch of kids with nothing, nothing. And so I came back, I gave them everything and I, I, I had a talk with the priest that was like their father. And then I found out most of them were not even orphans, but they were children that were rejected by their families because they were children of parents that passed away from AIDS. And when you had your parents pass away from AIDS, at that time, people were scared of them, like they would contaminate them, like they have AIDS. And at that time where people just didn't understand so much about the disease and these children had families in the city that wouldn't even come and see them completely rejected and so that was my first children because i came back in the united states and i just couldn't sleep <laughs> started sending them food and shoes and clothes and started coming going back soon enough one orphanage turned into two into three by the time i have five orphanages my the priest told me that you love children so much. Do you know that what you're giving here in the city for one orphan, you could save maybe 10 in the village, 10 children, and but it's very far and it's way in the jungle. And of course, I was interested. I said, yeah. And so we managed. I came back to Cameroon about six months later, and I went to the jungle with him. If you follow in my Instagram, you will see that there is no roads. You just drive through the forest, very bad roads. So if the road is not 
so bad, we could reach those places in maybe a couple of hours. But because the road is bad, it takes between four hours to two days, depending on how bad the road gets uh, when you drive there. So it's very bad. And when we got there, that, that was when I was there again, shocked. We got to this village with so many children, no school at all, everybody illiterate. I just couldn't believe that nowadays we could have that. So I started looking around and this is when I decided to that this is way over what I can do as one person. I'm going to maybe do a foundation. Maybe I'll find a few people that want to help. And on a local stage, I was mad at, at the government. That I was just mad and I was thinking, I have to do something. Even if I just do one child at a time and another child. And this is how I started building a school, a village that has about 3,000. No school. I just couldn't really imagine that. So I started building a school. And the the neighbors, also, uh, the neighbors, neighboring villages started visiting them. Some of the school were closed since seven years, six years. So I started seeing how can we reopen? What do you need? And I will hire two teachers. We will just make two classroom function, and we will put the kids uh, of the three grades in each classroom. We will get a teacher, and that's how it started. <laughs> now I have nine schools. And I serve 20 villages. This is, and I hope I'll get to do more. That is so incredible. And it started from you being a child, having a dream, hearing a word about Jesus, wanting the children to be loved and to be cared for, and then you expressing your own desire. And then I, you just see the buildup and the progression, how it didn't happen all at once but it unfolded bit by bit, little by little. Was there a time that you felt fear? or And if so, how did you respond to that? Fear um, for my safety or for my goals? <laughs> Both. Both, okay. Uh, fear of my goals, yes, I always... I'm always, I went to Kenya this year and I visited the slums. I've, I, I stayed in the slums with those children and I got scared. I, I get scared of my goals because I just don't, I don't have a heart to see a suffering child and not do anything. And sometimes I'm just scared that I'll get to the point where I'm not even going to be able to help the ones I'm helping, it gets overwhelming, the poverty. Yeah, I'm scared of, sometimes I hope I can stop people for telling me where else there are children that are suffering. I received so many letters in my foundation, even from Nepal, from Sri Lanka. They send me very compelling letters and sometimes with pictures, they need help. And yeah, I get scared of... Um, not being able, I get scared of starting to turn everybody away because I can't help. I, I think that feeling is just scary to me because I feel like I, I should always be able to help a, a child. 
can you imagine like in Cameroon it takes 50 cents to feed a child a day and I still have children there that eat every other day uh, because they can afford that so it's scary to me to know that maybe one day it's going to be worse because it has been going worse it, it was better 10 years ago than it is today in those areas I, I don't know and I also have fear of my security, of course. I'll go to these uh, villages. I'm going to leave this Wednesday. And uh, if you follow me, you're going to notice that I will be in the city Wednesday. I will arrive Thursday, right? It takes two days to get there because we go through Europe. And, and then I will be in the city because I have a few orphanages in the city to uh, put them to school. But most of my schools that are run with teachers are in the jungle. And you will notice that when I go to the jungle, I just fell off the radar, right? It, there is no connection. Even the local phones don't work in those areas. There is no electricity. There is no medical center. There is uh, no water. Like water is very far. Oh, and it's not clean. So we have to travel with jugs of water to make sure that I will have enough at least to take. I take a shower like every two days. You got to just find a way to clean yourself to to not use water because water is very scarce. And the fact that if I get in a bad accident, I, I the, the nearest hospital will be at least four hours away. The fact that if anything happens to me there, everybody in, in the city or my family back here in the United States, it will take so long for them to know what happened to me in the jungle. That is scary. Sometimes I get scared. But I have enough passion to know that it's temporary because we are working so hard in, in making things better. This month as I'm going, I'm going to install solar electricity, solar energy in the first village, first of the 20 villages where I work, it's going to be this uh, September, we're going to try it. So the minute we get the solar, we will find a way how to connect to the satellite and to connect to the rest of the world. So passion that I have and, and the hope that it's help is coming and, and this is on the way to to finish, we're going to change the narrative and it's not going to be about all poor people in the village. It's going to be about people that are strong on their feet and self-sustaining, using the environment to self-sustain and to advance, to pay for their own children, education and things like that. We're also going to build a very first that will work with the pump because all our wells are drying up. I don't know why. So I'm going to bring a surveyor and we're going to see if we can install like a borehole. And that will also be the very first with a, a motor that will be installed in that whole region. So we see that hope is it's positive, right? So that means my, my passion is bigger than my fears and that is good <laughs> that is so powerful your passion 
is bigger than your fears. Oh my God, that is amazing. That is amazing. We are, who as you, I'm just so full as I'm listening to you. We are headed into our 24 hour game changer summit. And the things that you just expressed, bringing solar and digging wells can change the trajectory of the lives of these children and the orphanages for their lifetime. How has this changed your personal life and that of your family? This has changed. This has made me more grateful. There is no way you don't get grateful <laughs> every time you turn the faucet. I have children in Kenya who get taken away from them just because they go and get water in Masai Mara. The children, they get the water in the same river that the wild animals are getting the water and the most fear they have every day. I was there in June 2021. The most fear of that those villages is what's going to happen to them at the water source because they're using the same with the wild animals. So every time I open the faucet in my house here in Illinois, and clean, drinkable water comes out, <laughs> I get so thankful, right? It's, I get so thankful. I get mad at my children when they let the water run because they want it to be warm, right? And I say, do you know how many buckets of water that makes? what it takes for some people to just get one bucket of water, right? So it has changed my life like that, where I'm so aware of um, to not waste, to think of those who don't have gratefulness. I have uh, taught that also to my family, where we, we don't go to bed at night. Even when I'm away, we find a way to, if we can connect, and to do a gratefulness. I think we do more gratefulness than we even pray. We always go around and say everything we are grateful for. And I have taught them to be grateful for the very, very little things because people who are very poor, that's what they want the most, those little things. They don't dream about the big things that we have. They don't dream, I want a car. Sorry, they don't think I want a car. I want. They don't want the big things. They want food. They want a bed. They want a blanket. They want. In Illinois, one little girl last Christmas asked me to pay for the the gas bill when I asked her what she wants for Christmas. This is the kind of thing people that live in poverty want. The little things that we take for granted that we take for granted. They want that. So I teach my, that's what has changed in my life. The little things are so important to me more than the big things and the gratefulness and and the fact that I'm more aware uh, when I look at people, I'm aware is having some kind of battle everybody's having some kind of struggle and also since I have had my foundation I never see a, a person like a homeless person or homeless family I never go by without thinking again is there anything I can do is there any number I can call 
do they know where to go? And I always at least come back and give them a phone number or say, do you, do you need anything? And if they're drugged, I'll give them the phone number for where they need to call to get assistance for the drug or alcohol. I'm always doing something when I see someone that is just so poor. And, and, and so I think that's what has changed my life. Again, the word that's huge to me today as we're talking is incredible. You were talking about the children's dream. My next question for you was, what do you dream about? What do you dream about for the world and what do you dream about for the children? I dream that all children get the basic needs. I just dream that no matter where they're born, no matter if they're in Africa or America. I just dream that they get the basic needs because when you get them, then you have a fair start. My dream is that everybody gets to to get some water, to have a a bed, have a, a, a meal, like a decent meal so that they have their strength and their health. And then they go to school, they study. Just like every other children, that way they can dream about the future. You, you talk about, if you watch my video, you will see that every time I visit a school, I go through an orphanage, I let them come and I ask everybody what they want to be when they grow up. And the, sad, the saddest thing, if, if you ever meet a child that lives in poverty or in extreme poverty, you'll notice That is the hardest question for them to answer. Why? Because these children are surviving. Like every day is a survival. Am I going to get to tomorrow? Am I going to get to next week? Am I going to get to next month? Thinking about next year is too far. Sometimes even next month is too far. So they don't dream. And you make it possible when you get to them and say, you can dream, you can become someone. And they will say, I can go to school. Well, I'm going to pay for your school. Well, when when you leave? No, I'm not going to leave. I'm going to come back again and again. And I will pay for your school until you finish. And then you can start seeing the hope in their eyes. Okay, You, you promise? Yes, I promise. So now let's dream. If you could, what do you want to be? And that's when, that's when you can see most of the children start to say, since you're going to be here, since it's like you're giving them permission to dream. And my dream is that should not be. Every child should be, every child should dream about the future. Every child should think the future will happen. Every child should wake up not worrying about, am I going to make it tomorrow? What am I going to eat today? And most of them, if they get sick, if they get sick and it's it's bad, they die because they don't have transportation. The hospital is so far. There is no hospital around. So can you imagine the life of people like that? They they don't dream. So my dream is that they, they can dream, okay? If everybody can dream, like our children, 
maybe all of us here on stage, our children get to dream. I want to become a pilot. I want to be a doctor. I want to be... These children will look at you confused when you're telling them about what they want to be when they grow up. It, it, you can totally see that many of them don't even believe that they're going to get to be adults. So that that that, that is my dream. And that certainly is a powerful dream. As an enriched woman by design, you have a sustainability project that you have for the children. What sustains you day by day? I know you talked a little bit about gratefulness, but what sustains you day by day? What would you encourage the listeners? How would you encourage the listeners? Yeah, other than gratefulness, what sustains me day by day, I think there are still more good than bad in the world. So I have that, I have that hope and I, I go around and I walk, I walk every day, I make my plans. What sustains me is, is like you said, my, my dreams, myself, I, f- I, f- I follow my dreams and every time I tell myself this is my next step and 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 because i have those kind of next steps it it fills me ahead my own goals i i I never know where i'm gonna how i'm gonna realize a few things that i start (laughs) like like this september i'm starting a program where I'm going to, because also we have early marriages in uh, the villages where I work. And I have this, I have decided there is a lady here on Clubhouse, Sarah Letterman. And we were just talking about the early marriages and she came up with an idea. How about you pay the dowry of those girls? And I thought that is a wonderful idea. And so now I started this program where I'm going to, find a way to get goats because to marry a young girl all you need to give is two goats and maybe a little bit of of gift and then they make a party and it's your your wife if she's still too young you get to wait until she has a period then you can claim her now some people are nice and they will take the maybe the eight-year-old and, 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 and wait for her to become a woman and some of other don't wait really wait and so it's very sad for the young girls so my program was to empower these girls and <laughs> to take them out of those family and for place them my because i have a boarding school place them there pay for the school let them visit their family but let them have the freedom that nobody can marry them anymore at the same time work with their families to help themselves sustain. If they do farming, help them, help the mother, help the father, so that there is no point, finger pointing, no accusation, because there is too much traditions and religions, in, in, including all that. I, I'm just not the, the justice. I, I don't want to come and, and, and create chaos. I just want everybody to grow, because many of these parents they give their daughters to early marriages. The biggest reason is poverty, okay, desperation. And they think maybe she, some of them even believe that they're saving the child life by doing that. Of course, you have the bad ones, but it's it's a practice that is so bad for women, for young girls. And so for me, it was the best, best program 
to save the girls, keep a good relationship with the parents, and even get the parents to get out of extreme poverty by by being good enough at what they're doing, being able to sell it. Or so these are things that get me going every time. I, I just think of how many girls like I'm going this September. Maybe go and get like ten girls. To me, that would get me going. <laughs> Knowing that this is this is what I'm gonna do when I get to Cameroon this time, and in Kenya they're still doing things at like FGM. So if I can save girls from that, I'm gonna get going. I'm not gonna sleep at night. I'll do whatever it takes so that I get there and make sure that it's done. That is so incredible that you are leading from the future, even as you have foresight and insight regarding the children, the girls how to navigate them through various issues in life is just amazing. I was going to, I was going to close out, but I have to know how did Mumsy come about your name, Mumsy? How did that happen? Mumsy. <laughs> it's when I started helping other children, uh, as I started in Africa, I also started here to visit some orphanages the kids there they will ask me how to call me and they will just sometimes call me mom and i let them call me mom but one time i went there at easter to get to give out the easter basket those kids they came to me and say mom and I, i didn't notice at first but my my own children my two children they were like like four and seven they were very sad, and I, I, I didn't understand why. So in the car, when we were going home, I, I, they were just there, these long faces. What's going on, guys? And they're like, Who, whose mom are you? You're everybody's mom? <laughs> I said, yes, kind of. You guys don't like that? No, because they have their mom too, right? I said, Some of them don't have, but my kids, it was just a discussion. When we got home, I said, okay. Tell me what you want them to call me. Because the problem is that you don't want them to call me mom. They said, yes, we like them, but we don't want, we want you to be our mom. I said, okay, come up with a name. If you give me a name, I'll use that name with everybody else. And I'll make sure everybody else calls me that name. And do you know my kids came up with mumsy? I said, my, my daughter is like, mumsy, they should call you mumsy and we will call you mom. So when you hear mom, it's us. When you hear mumsy, it's your older kids. And so, of course, I, I started using that name way before I even had my foundation. Every time I will go adopt a little kid or go help a kid, they, they will ask me, what's my name? I will just say mumsy. <laughs> That's how that name came. Oh, my God. That is so incredible. But out of the mouths of babes and sucklings, right, we can get wisdom and insight. That is so amazing. We really want to thank you so much for sharing your story because at Rich Woman Magazine, we believe Dr. Marina always says that sharing your story changes your story. And we believe that. And uh, we thank you so much. We're going to have you back because we just scratched the tip of the iceberg. And uh, we know that you're going to be traveling. So we definitely speak traveling grace and we'll be praying with you. How can you be reached? How can you be If you, you look at my Instagram, you can see the link. I have 
my website there. My my email is also there, I think. I have to make sure that my email is there. You can reach me there. You can reach me on uh, the phone number on my WhatsApp. You can you can reach me on Instagram uh, message. When I'm in the city, I have internet, so I will be able to come to Clubhouse. And but when I'm in in uh, the jungle, I, I'm completely cut out anyway. So if you leave a message when I come back to the city, I will see it. And I, I usually stay in the jungle maybe four or five days, but I always come back so that I can take a proper shower and things like that in the city. So I always come back at least two days before I go back again to the jungle. I want to really thank you so much, Momsy, excuse me, for being uh, my guest on Woman by Design podcast. We are so very grateful to our listeners for joining us. And if you enjoyed this podcast, we also would like to invite you uh, to listen to our colleagues, to to my colleagues podcast at richwoman.co forward slash podcast forward slash. And feel free to follow us at Clubhouse at Rich Woman Magazine. And join us uh, for the first 24 hours, yes, the first 24 hours Game Changers Summit, where I share the red carpet with world-class influencers who are leading from the future, such as our guests. So again, thank you so much. And if you would like to join us, we would love to have you on the stage. This episode is sponsored by MTN Press. MTN Press is the publishing house behind niche publications like Rich Human, Sovereign, and the Quantum of Light magazines, all British brands with a global reach. They deliver the good news straight to the desk of decision makers, the CEOs, presidents, CFOs, consultants, investors, influencers, bankers, PR agencies, heads of global operations, to name just a few. They also offer specialized support through a range of bespoke services, tools, and systems to help publishers like you grow both their presence and business. Whether you are running a blog, a niche magazine, or thinking to start one, their expert knowledge in the world of publishing can give you the tools and the expertise and the confidence you need to succeed. Check them out at mtnpress.co.uk or Follow the link in the episode description.